Welcome back to episode two of Beyond the Fences Ashes mini series. My name is Ben Quayada. I introduced myself this time. I forgot the first time. Joining me today, we have our two esteemed guests back at it again after the third test at Headingley from ESPN ANZ. Steve Smith, how are you? I'm very well, Benjamin. And your good self? I'm doing great, Stephen. Thanks for asking. No, no, it's always a pleasure to ask those questions right at the start, get things off onto a, uh, a polite start. It'll, it'll all go downhill very quickly. Thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And from the raw, writer of articles too in the last week. That's a PB for you, Ryan O'Connell. <laughs> <laughs> good evening, Benny boy. How are you? I'll give you the same answer. I'm doing great. That's good. I was wondering if like you might be doing great for Smith, but not so great for me, but that's fine. It's good. Generic answers. I love it. Well, the NRL's in a media band, so I've got to provide the generic answer somewhere. <laughs> Taking each question, one, one question at a time. I'm just giving 110% for the listeners, all four of them. Oh, we've increased by one. That's awesome. There's three last What did week. I say last time? Did I say three? I don't remember. <laughs> um, where do we want to start? Do we want to start? Let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about the changes that both teams made just, just quickly, I guess. Actually, I want to get your thoughts on what you thought. Great sentence. On England dropping, well, not dropping, Ollie Pope obviously out for the series with a, an injury, but deciding to bring in effectively a bowling all rounder instead of a specialist batsman. Well, they won, so yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they, I'm sure they'll claim it was a, uh, a fantastic strategy. Baseball, baby, <laughs> just another masterstroke. They got us right where they want us. Uh, what did I think? Uh, look, I thought it was a bit funny that Ali came in, but we mentioned that in, in the, the, the last pod. Uh, but Wokes actually played quite well, to be honest, with, with both bat and ball. He was um, he made quite a difference to their lineup. So uh, I think on the whole, you'd have to give a thumbs up to their selection um, for the third test. Yeah, they got it. I think they got it way more right than we did. Um. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly, but I think, like you said, Wokes was Wokes was good with bat and ball, and and Wood Wood was really good as well. Like he was shockingly good with the bat in in the brief cameo that he made. He, he did some damage, so um, and he bowled with some pretty some pretty fearsome pace. Yeah, can't fault it. I mean, I mean, he looks fast. Just he's fast anyway, but he looks fast compared to the rest of their bowlers. But yeah, it was yeah, real, it was real night and day when he came on for his first spell. And we're like, ah, oh, shit, okay. Why have they been holding this guy back for the first two tests? Well, I think he was coming back from an elbow injury. Yeah, he fair. was. I, yeah. I yeah. think he was 100% yeah. fit. But, I mean, when, when any time you can make a batsman who's in the form of Usman Khawaja hurried and, and late onto a ball and shockingly late onto a ball, you know you're, you're bowling with some pretty fast venom. I, I mean, he, the short ball stuff, we speak about that last time, but it, it works a lot better when it's... 150Ks instead of 125. Yeah, and the pitch had a little bit more life in it too, I, I think. Um, I think it was, you know, he, he bowled very fast, he bowled very well. Um, but it was good to see a, a pitch with a little bit of, a little bit in it for the quicks. Um, it kind of reminded you that test cricket's better when it's not just a batathon and, and the batters are dominating and there's lifeless pitches that, you know, the ball just No, sits absolutely. Up and, so, I agree. You know, it's, it's not just because um, I'm an ex-bowler. I just, I think it's a better contest <laughs> when, when the ball, when the ball is, is dominating, if I'm honest. It's, um, it's funny that suddenly they needed some result pitches down 2-0. That's all. That's the, that's the only thing, it's the only thing I'll add to that. And I guess we need to, do you remember after, uh, towards the end of, or whenever we said it last time, how there's no way Cam Green will be dropped? Abs- <laughs> absolutely no way. That timing was impeccable. Just impeccable. Like, didn't, even last, didn't even last 10 hours. He was hurt, though. Or is that just the official That's line? That's the company no, line. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've no, I, I haven't felt his hamstring. I have no idea. But... <laughs> a little tight. <laughs> I had a quick feel in the sheds. It was a little tight. Um, the other change is kind of expected, so I mean we'll get we'll in lieu of that we'll just talk about let's talk about Mitch Marsh because I think that's the main storyline from an Australian point of view from this test. Um, I've always been a Mitch Marsh guy, but I would say I was one. flagging down the cruise ships that were passing the island, you know, trying to get off the island. Oh, it, <laughs> I was al- I was always pro Marsh. I'm not anti anyone else and I didn't really think he was going to ever play test cricket again for Australia but 
holy shit. <laughs> but talk about an innings out of absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I I don't think anyone I don't think anyone in this podcast certainly was ever anti Mitch Marsh. I think all of us really wanted him to always do well to show that just to be consistently as good as what his what his peak was. Um, he could just never quite do that, and then to do that in those circumstances was it's the great thing about sport, though, isn't it? Like just when you think nothing like that could possibly happen, it does. It was just a genuine pleasure to, to watch that unfold. Yeah, I've, I've never been anti-Mitch Marsh. I've, I've had some question marks over Sean Marsh getting picked over the years. And I think, unfortunately for mm, Mitch, he's probably yeah. been tarred with that same brush a little bit in terms of, you know, unwarranted selection, things things like that. But, you know, you only have to listen to the way that the Australian players talk about Mitch Marsh. And, you know, you've seen it in the documentary, The Test. He is a genuinely loved teammate, that his teammates love him. And, and he's a, he's very good at supporting them and... and He's a great character around the, the, the change room, but he's also just been a fantastic supporter for all those players that are playing now. And you saw the, the genuine happiness when he scored that 100 and, that, and they went to the change room. And, you know, teammates are always happy when someone scores 100, but there was just something even better uh, about seeing Mitch Marsh score 100. And the footage of Jeff and um, Sean on holidays in Bali, I think it is, or Fiji, one of the two, for Sean's Bali. 40th. And, Bali, you know, yeah. that, that footage of those guys absolutely going ballistic when Marsh... When Mitch got his 100, and <laughs> I think they were a few beers deep, but that's fine. You're allowed to be on your Just 40th birthday and you're on holidays. But, you know, it was, to, to Smithy's point, it was fantastic to see and totally unexpected, you know. <laughs> I certainly didn't think we'd be talking about a Mitch Marsh 100 when we did the podcast last week. <laughs> It's a uh, it's a pretty good sporting family when you think about it because it's not just dad and and the and Sean and Mitch because you've got Mel there as well who played yep. top line basketball for in the WNBL for a long time. Um, for the Perplinks. Yep it's it's a it's a pretty um, it's a pretty good sporting family. Yeah, she's been inducted into WA Basketball Hall of Fame. So yes, yeah, mm. <laughs> no mugs yeah. the Marsh family. What's you can talk done? now, Quag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I mean, on the action, you've rattled me now, on the innings itself though, like, it's it's easy to say considering the circumstances around it all, but genuinely, I don't think I've, like, that's the best innings in any form of the game, and obviously a test innings is going to have more weight, but that's the best innings I've ever seen him play for a couple of reasons, one, the situation, but also I think there was a lot of maturity in how he batted yeah. and especially once he started creaming a couple of those balls, you could think the next one, like, well, the old Mitch Marsh would just try and hit this, you know, back to London. Mm. But there was a something that I think a lot of the other Australian batsmen have struggled to do this series was to just score and just rotate the strike and make, like, unsettle the bowlers. And Mitch Marsh, I don't think he had that level of control in his game, but he was, him and Travis Head, their partnerships in both innings I don't want to say save the innings because they still lost, but that, that that game could have been over in two and a half days. Yeah, I, I oh, love the we were I love four the, um, five when he came in. Yeah, yeah, I just love the confidence in which he batted. I think he came in and there wasn't long to go before lunch in Australia. Lost a fair few wickets, but he got a loose one. It was like second or third ball, and he just creamed it. He covered over it. The ball was there to be hit, and he goes, "I'm not going to go into my shell." And he never really looked that nervy, which I thought he might be, considering he's coming back in the Test team. He's been out of it for four years. That the game was on on a knife's edge at the time when he came in. We lost a few wickets, but he looks great. And I also think the way that he batted is almost perfect for that deck. Like, it was a really super fast outfield. Like, if you got the ball through the infield, it was going for four. And he plays with a lot of power and a lot of strength. You know, when he hits it, it stays hit, that old cliche. Um, and considering the ball was coming onto the bat... That actually suits him growing up on the wacker with those fast, bouncy pitches. So it was actually, you know, yeah. it was it was an innings. I won't say it was tailor made for him because I don't think that was tailor made for anyone because it was a tough situation. But it's certainly the way that he played, he got value for his shots, and he certainly deserved the hundred that he got. And in quick time, I think it was a hundred, you know, a runner ball hundred as well. Which it was is, a runner ball, which is yeah, it was runner ball. He um, just to Oak's point there, like I think it was it's a bit of a cliche, but he played every ball on its merits, right? Like he actually made it pretty simple because he didn't he didn't go into his shell as you said and if the ball was there to be hit he absolutely smoked it and if not he was really circumspect and i think he just had that perfect balance of you know attack and defense and like like you said the outfield was so fast like a couple of times he just had a couple of forward pushes that it was a little bit like you know not not that they're the same ever the same level but Steve Waugh used to do this a little bit as well it would just be a, a little forward push 
and then it beats mid off and it's gone. Yep. And, it, and on those smaller grounds in England, like it's it's four runs straight away. Yeah, yeah. And, and England maybe bowled a little bit short early on to him and allowed him to get a little bit comfortable considering yeah. his upbringing in Perth. But then also once they started pitching it up, yeah, just the the footwork is better than what I've seen from him in a while. Just yeah, the the confidence, the value for shots, the running between the wickets, outside of the edge that was dropped when he was on what twelve. Yeah. Like outside of the one chance, chanceless. <laughs> 17 fours and four in 118 <laughs> who, who dropped it was it was our mate wasn't it that dropped the catch or was it Root sure was. oh no Root dropped one yeah it was Root yeah Root dropped Marsh but Head got dropped as well by I think it was our mate they're, <laughs> they're not having a great time behind the stumps the English well it depends who you ask I think they're having a great time I'm, I'm loving it to be honest yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it <laughs> No, Bearstay's had a shocker. I think he's dropped nine catches. Or he's put nine down, I think, in three tests, which is, you know, that's an average of three a test that he's dropping. Uh, and some of them have been quite costly. But, uh, yeah, hopefully they keep picking him. <laughs> uh, yeah, like everyone, everyone, you know, remember in 05 and everyone was talking about Garrett Jones and, you know, all the all the, the iron hands he had. Bearstay's made him look like, look positively Ian Healy-like. <laughs> like, it's just... It is ridiculous. He can't be dropping this many. No, he doesn't get himself in good position either. I mean, the stereotype, you know, is that he's a, a lazy cricketer due to perhaps some of his physique issues, um, and then he's obviously the the walking out of his crease from from Test Two. But his footwork behind the stumps is pretty poor. It's not just like he's glove. He's not like poorly gloving them. Like he's not getting in himself in a really good position. So you know mm. they, they have to weigh up. He's picked for his batting, and, and that's why he's picked. He's not necessarily the greatest keeper in the country in England. Uh, but when yeah, you drop them that, in that scoring going. runs, geez, it's it's a bit of a tough combo. So it'd be interesting to see if they make a change for the fourth test. To be honest, do I currently have... averaging twenty three for the series? It's better than Pope before he got injured. <laughs> One run better. Oh, Mister Stat. Well, do you want to say what you said about Bairstow's dismissal? Oh. <laughs> what did you say? I think it was, I think shit shot was the words he used. Well, it was a shit shot. He, he, he played the same shot the over before and was very lucky to yeah. get through. He French cut it for four, um, playing away yeah. from his body with no footwork, not getting his foot to the pitch of the ball against Stark, who likes to just throw that one out wide every now and then just to tempt you. Um, and he played the exact same shot and got out. Like, it's just dumb, lazy cricket, which is almost the hallmark of Besto at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. Um, back on Marsh, but specifically him and Travis Head together. I know we're going to talk a little bit later on about changes for the fourth test, but those two, I mean, we're not getting much from the top water right now. Those two have really saved, well, they saved both innings really mm. with Marsh's hundred in the first and then Travis Head's quick fire 70 odd in the second. And then yeah, they both chipped in with other scores when the other one was going along, but it seems like they're batting in a really good partnership. And I wonder if that's, just the way forward because we know Marsh can be quite aggressive and Travis Head's built his test career on just going for it. You know, dare I say, basballing his way to glory. But I wonder if that's how they're going to just keep batting going forward because I think they, you know, they didn't do it. They didn't get a lot of help from the rest of the order. No, they didn't. Um, you know, no. I mean, Travis Head's been in pretty good form for a while now, dating back to the home series year. Um, you know, where he suddenly started to find his feet at test level. And once he started to feel comfortable, he started to play, you know, more the shots as he's accustomed to even early on in his innings. And, and Mitch Marsh has always been like that. You know, his, his strength is his strength, ironically. So, you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a big boy, the bison, as they like to call him. Um, so he's, he's, all, he's kind of always played that type of cricket. And, you know, both, as you said, in both innings, they kind of saved us to be honest particularly in that second mm. innings if Travis Head didn't tee off and get that 77 geez England could have chased that total down in a session almost <laughs> like so yeah you know I know we didn't win quite to your point but I, I, I still think they saved both innings in, in in isolation of those individual innings they did save it both of them speaking of the lead that England ended up chasing I think you know you can look at the batting and say you know, it's another test. Now it's two tests out of three that both Smith and Labashain have failed in. And, you know, David Warner, who looked better in the first couple of tests, had a rough one. Alex Carey's not doing much. But when you look at 
the the main reason I think that Australia ended up losing this test, and you can just point directly to that spell at the English tail in the first innings where Australia, you'd think we're going to looking at a lead of at worst 70 or 80. And then, you know, just this, and the analytics, I've heard things, the analytics say that bowling to the tail, a bowling short to the tail actually is more effective than yorking them. I haven't seen the numbers. I want to look at them to believe them, but yeah, like that 50 free runs that, we ended up giving, you know, Mark Woods 24 off eight and then others chipping yeah. in around him. Like, that yuck. Stokes, Stokes teeing off on Murphy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you kind of ex- like, expect, yes. expect Stokes to kind of put the foot down when he's, you know, not many wickets left in hand. But I think, you know, to your point, Coggy, I think some of the short bowling to... to the, the tail and they got us away for six. I think Mark Wood probably hit what twenty eight was it? What did he get? And he hit like three. Twenty four of eight. Twenty four of eight. And, and, and I know it's kind of silly to say twenty four runs in a test match is almost the the difference, but it kind of was even from a momentum point of view. Like we looked like we were going to go in with a hundred run lead, and you know then they got to about ninety and thought, okay, we might get about eighty or seventy in front here by the end. But for them to get that down, I think was it twenty six or twenty seven. It was kind of even though we went in with the lead after both teams had batted, it kind of felt like England had the lead because they had the momentum and they kind of fought back. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what those statistics are that you're quoting, Coggy, in terms of it's apparently it's more effective to bowl bounces to the tail, but, you know, it means you're only getting one mode of dismissal. Like, it's, they're either going to be caught or that's it. Yeah. If you're bowling to the stumps, you're getting LBs, you're getting caught behind, you're getting bowled. You're just taking so many modes of dismissal out when you only bowl short and you just got to hope that the ball goes to fine leg or square leg. And on those short boundaries, sometimes I don't... That, a lot of those Mark yep. Wood hits weren't clean. They were they were kind of a bit top-edgy and stuff like that. But on, on those postage stamp grounds in England, they go for six. So I, I don't think it's a good Doesn't strategy matter. to be bowling Doesn't short. Matter. Yeah. No, and just on his batting, on Mark Wood's batting, he faced 16 deliveries across the two innings and hit 40 runs. <laughs> he, was 16, he was 16 off eight in the second dig. Like, he, he got him over the line because... He just swung from swung from the hips, right? Yeah. So out out of the screws and you know a couple of another six, another boundary, and they're home. Yeah. So and I agree. It's I just don't think it's smart bowling. I just I feel like we we lost that test. It, it, okay, there, there was some bad batting in the second innings, and like you said, Smith and Labuschagne both weren't great overall this test. But I just don't think we bowled particularly intelligently for a team full of fairly intelligent bowlers. We just didn't do that, and it, it's clearly bowling to a game plan that I hasn't quite worked. I don't think. And the I other think thing with sure tailenders, to, to be honest, like, like the one thing that tailenders can do is swing. If I'm honest, like you don't have to have a great technique, mm. you don't have yeah. to be a great batsman just to kind of stand there and just kind of throw the bat. And they were kind of sweating on it. They were waiting for us to bowl short, so you're kind of almost playing into their hands. Whereas, are they really going to cover drivers for four? No, I don't think so. Well, might no. did in the second innings, actually. But but for the most part, they're not going to play <laughs> these amazing shots. So pitch the ball up, put it on the stumps, bring in the three, four, five, six modes of dismissal and try and get people out that way. Hopefully they've learned by now because it's been a couple of tests now they've made the same mistakes. Get retired hurt in there. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take anything. Um, but no, I think... And we hear it all the time, and I think that there's some merit here to including a little bit of T20 theory, because we hear it all the time late in innings in T20 games when the bat, the bowlers are generally bowling a little bit back of a length, but obviously with less pace. And the commentators always say, you know, set up for the short ball, react to the full one. As a tailender, it's probably a lot easier when you're expecting the short ball with those four men on the boundary you're bowling around the wicket into their hips and their shoulders. If you're setting up for the short ball, you're already in position and it's easier to then just jam the bat down rather than if you bowl with a little bit of variety, say you pitch a couple up, you know, Yorkers or just even, God forbid, a fourth stump line outside, you know, on a good length in the salmon, as they say. But if you can't set up for what's coming, like there's a 90% chance you're going to face a short ball, then you make Mark Wood look like Andrew Simons. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, right? Like, they're all... None of them are particularly short blokes. So, like, you're giving them room to clear their arms. And as Oak said, if it's just a top edge and you get it right, it's... Like, even if you miss time it slightly and it's a top edge, it's six on these little grounds. 
And with respect to, like, Chris Wokes is probably a better batsman than any of our tailenders. He's got a test hunter. He looks very capable. It's just, like, for to, to someone like Wood, yeah, he faced eight balls and he got out, so maybe they'll say, look, he, we only took eight balls to get him out. Runs be damned. Like, yeah, he was striking at 300, but it's eight balls. But to someone like Wokes, who is a more like more of an all-rounder than you know some of these bowlers that can bat yeah. so to speak like the difference there like i also think runs mean in that second things, they just fit they just fed his strengths yeah run, runs mean different things at different part of the game though when you're trying to defend a lead and get into that first innings with a 190 run lead 27 runs actually is a big difference whereas if you've got 400 on the board and the other team's 250 you don't mind giving away 25 runs to buy that wicket off eight balls because it doesn't really make much difference you're still going to go with 150 or 100 run lead but once you get beneath three figures and you get beneath the 100 every run counts and you really want to get as far in front as possible as fronting first innings lead so they might say oh we got him off eight balls and we'll take that that we'll take the 24 runs but it's not you should be looking at the match situation the context of which there's 24 runs are coming and I just don't think yeah. they've been quite, quite flexible enough with some of their bowling plans. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it's um. You look back to the second test, and they did the same thing, but I mean, they they had more runs at least. And look, I still don't agree with it, but they had the buffer, and yeah, yeah it just looked like they didn't really learn too many lessons. And I don't know where the call comes. I don't know if that's a brains trust thing between the bowlers, whether it's a directive from McDonald or you know where it's coming from, but. I mean, I, I don't know what the old Trafford pitch is going to do, but if it's just another fairly true bouncing wicket and they just keep bowling that again, another not big ground, then, you know. It's a bit of a turner traditionally, isn't it, Smithy, Old Trafford? Yeah. Yeah. No, but, and, and we're we're looking likely of what, going in without a spinner at all? Oh, jeez, uh, really? we'll get We'll get there in a second. I've got something <laughs> to say about that. Okay. But, but okay. yeah, Sydney's a turner, so... Yeah. I don't think Sydney's been a turner for 25 years, to be honest. Well, not the way yeah, that I think it is, no. anyway. No, that's right. I miss those, those. Bowl two spinners. Yeah, Sydney's more known for rain than turn now. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's so true. It's true. Um, the other part of the bowling was the field placements. And I know you've got some pretty strong thoughts on the field placements. <laughs> oh. Go on. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you've started him now. He'll be going for hours. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure Pat Cummins has forgotten more about cricket than I know. But I, I, I just find our fields a little bit not even defensive. I think defensive can be a reasonable tactic. I just find them lacking the ability to get wickets. Uh, you know, you've got to bowl the opposition out. This test didn't even go five days, so it was always going to be a case of you're going to have to bowl the opposition out and. You know, England needed like 70 runs or something like that. And we had like four or five people on the boundary. Like, you're yeah. not going to starve them. Yeah. We're, we're not going to defend this total. We had to blast them out and bowl them out. And I'm just, I'm curious as to why we would think we need sweepers and why we need two back on the, you know, I just, I, I, I'm struggling to see what the actual tactic is, if I'm honest. Um, I can understand no, that same. early on. Maybe when you go, all right, these baseball guys that want to hit boundaries, they want to score runs. So we're actually going to have the field spread early and starve them and choke them and, get them frustrated because they like hitting boundaries. I can kind of understand that early in innings, even though it's not necessarily the way I play cricket. But later on, when the field spread and the, the batsmen are set or the, or the tail enders are coming in and you've got the field spread and you're just giving away singles, I just I just don't get it. That was a that's, bit, that's my polite That version. was the bit I didn't understand either. Yeah, like that we, got, we got Harry Brook out, right? So then you're down to two tail enders with two more to come and the field stayed spread. Yeah. And that made no sense to me. Like you, you just... We, we didn't have enough runs. And it might have been different if we had an extra 50, 60, 70 runs to, to play with. And maybe you can do that. But we didn't have those runs. So, like Oak said, why aren't we trying to... Why aren't we on the attack the whole time? Because that's the only way you're winning. Like, Brooke got out with how many runs left to get 30-odd? Oh, yeah. Maybe 40. Hang on. I can check And, that. like... Well, the point is, like, everyone's thinking, oh, we're on here. But then even down to like the last 10 runs and I get the game's probably gone at that point but like are you going to yeah, lose being defensive or are you going to lose having a go that's right and especially that's, against, yeah. some, against some of those tail enders why wouldn't you go two slips two gullies a point and then leave cover open and have like a mid off and go right, yeah. if you're good enough to cover drivers go for it we're going to pitch it up top yeah, of go off nuts. Yeah, top yeah. of off top of off top of off and if you can drive us through cover and you're a, you're a number eight you're a number nine hats off you win 
but like yeah yeah let, yep, let him, play. yep i just i just don't understand it at all um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, and look, we tried to give them a free life as well. With I don't know why Stark thought that was his catch running back and almost tackling Cummins. It was oh, Kerry, wasn't it? Just about gave me kidney. No, no, no that, oh, sorry, you're that. talking about the court and bowl. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Well, we took that no, one yeah, time. Yeah, K- Kerry calling Boland out of it. Oh, Kerry and Boland. Yeah, that yeah. was the... Yeah, no, that, that should have been Boland's catch. And I think it speaks a little bit to where Boland might have been after getting carted around a little bit. He just, he was just a little hesitant. I think, I'm, I'm serious. I, I think that, I think that rattled him a bit and I don't think he wanted any part of that, that catch. Well, I'm glad you brought up Boland. But let's flip to him. Yeah. I, like, felt, I felt bad for him. I, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and take um, victory laps because I think when we did this Ashes series last year, Ryan, we, um, we're both a little bit questionable on Boland's initial selection, but I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, 10 tests later and like a thousand wickets is just fine because you had one bad test. Like, I was never a Boland guy, but like he's played well. But yeah, yeah. I think... I think it's even, probably... back to the, even back to the first test, uh, there were some signs that England had done their homework. You know, they were, they were charging him yeah. early and then they were playing back and they were just fucking around with his length, basically, which is his strength. You know, he puts it on that 20-cent piece, yeah. gets a little bit of wobble every now and then, lets the pitch do the work, but, you know, puts pressure on the batsman by staying on you. The combat to that is batsmen say, well, we're not going to let you just bowl where you want, and we're going to we're going to charge. We're going to not even charge. Just use our feet or, or bat far out of our crease and just kind of stuff with your momentum a little bit. And that's his strength, is that he just puts it exactly where he wants to, but that can be a weakness if you've got batsmen willing to kind of change things up a bit you know this was Dean Jones strategy many many years ago to Richard Hadley he said his greatest strength is he puts it on 10 cent piece his biggest weakness is he puts it on 10 cent piece so Dean Jones would just aggressively charge Hadley and just like really go at him like really proper walking down the pitch type of stuff and whilst England didn't go to that extreme they did use their feet quite well in that first test um and they didn't have to do it as much in this test because I think his confidence was shot from the first test and he just didn't really bowl yeah. that well in this test. Yep. Oh, it wasn't so much that England were doing anything special or amazing. It's just that his bowling wasn't as penetrative as it used to be, as it can be. Um, and he, he, didn't, he, he wasn't as accurate, to be honest. And when he doesn't have accuracy, he doesn't have shearing pace. Like, he's not going to blast you out the 145-plus balls. He doesn't have a lot of variation in terms of slow balls and things like that. His bouncer doesn't really get up. So when he's not doing what his strength is, he doesn't have a lot to fall back on. And he was actually pretty ineffective in this test. He only bowled 20 overs over the two innings. Wow. How many wickets? One? Uh, yeah, I think he took... He definitely... Well, he didn't take one in the second innings. No. Um, so he bowled, and... he bowled 20 overs in both innings. He bowled ten in. overs in the first and eleven in the second. Sorry, wow. twenty-one overs and no and no wickets in either. Sorry, yeah. Jeez, wow. he was wicket. I, I, barring injury, I think he's played his last test in England. This in England, series. yeah, yep, yeah. agreed. Yeah, yeah. like he's proven in at home. I just think it's yeah, one of those, sure, absolutely one of yeah, those yep. things. Like these England pitches aren't as conducive to sideways movement as you know the MCG or. Well, sorry, not the MCG traditionally, but the MCG last year. And, you know, Hobart under a pink, uh, under the lights. But, well, yeah, the thing the is, as, I said, as got... I said to you guys off the podcast, the, the turnaround between the fourth test and the fifth test is literally two days. And as Smithy pointed out, one of those days yeah. is going to be travel. You're going to have to get from Manchester back to London. So it's a very, very quick turnaround. So I think that's both teams are going to... a half hour drive. Yeah, but it's still... You still got to... <laughs> It's a half hour drive. It's a lot to half hour drive. Stop um, this. But it, but you know that. So both teams are going to have to think about what their strategy is across those two tests. To be honest, obviously England don't have the luxury of of waiting for the fifth test. They need to win both to to, to win the series. So mm. they'll still be going all out in the fourth test. But you know, the, both teams will have to have a look at that. I think you know we, we might talk about this now. I think Ness has been sent back to County Cricket to get some overs under him, which is a suggestion yep. Yep. that he might play yeah, probably in the fifth test. I'd assume. Oh, well, I'd love him mm-hmm. to get him into this fourth test if we can, to be honest, just because I think for with bat and ball, I just think he offers a lot. Um, but I have to think that Ness is going to play in one of the two tests. I agree with you, Smithy. I don't think Bowling will play in either. So I have to think maybe, and we're guessing now, we'll find out soon, but you would assume Hoff would come in. Hazel Hoff. Hazel. Josh <laughs> Hazel Hazel, Hazel, Hazelwood will come in for Bowling the next test. Yeah. Um, 
and then she's uh, uh, will Stark and Cummins hit the wall by that fifth test? I don't know. It's going to be pretty interesting do we, what um, they do. And it's also interesting, I guess, up the top of the order. Do they like this? Obviously, it's already been bandied around online, but does either Mitch Marsh or Cam Green get the Shane Watson treatment and and go up the order? Yeah. Who had that radical play? idea? I look. Somebody I, I saw it on on the Twitter timeline. It would, I think Code Sports had a, a thing about it. Just I don't know if it was just a trial balloon, but they were like Mitch Marsh to open? Question mark. Um, You're laughing, Oak. That that did happen. Yeah, yeah. I am. So like. I look. I, I I don't hate it. <laughs> like, I, like at least at least consider the idea because yeah. it gives us some incredible bowling options. The other person I'd like to see considered, and I look at maybe too far, to, but surely Glenn Maxwell's in the country. Surely we can. <laughs> does, does that get a look? My best mate texted me today and said that Maxie's a chance and then Cricket Australia had an article out pretty quick on, on their official um, yeah. website saying Yeah, no, on their official be. site, I know. He's no, he two Red Bull games in two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just hope I mean, I'm a chief Maxwell fan. I'd love it, but yeah. yeah. No, I don't... Um, no, but yeah, obviously Oak, you had your radical idea that was conceptualized in the WhatsApp and then brought to life like a day later, Cam Green for opener yeah, because I mean, we talk, of reasons. We, well, we talked about it on the pod last week. There's a nervous starter and, and you know, he mm. kind of only has two yeah. shots early on. It's leave or block. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for, for an opener to have that. And then once he gets set, once he gets comfortably, he plays more shots. So I don't necessarily think it would be the worst thing to have Cam Green come into the side back at opener. Uh, uh, my mate has said that he's got a bit of a Shane Watson-like issue with his front had though and, and you know maybe the English singles will kind of target that but they're going to target that whether he bats at one or six to be honest so mm, yeah. I, I think what we all agree on hopefully is that you know there does need to be a change at the top of the order and I, know I was pretty effusive for my praise of Warner in the last pod but enough's enough I think this trend can't be ignored anymore Stuart Braun owns him and we're just basically sending him out to get out now yeah not as long as Green doesn't have a Shane Watson tendency with his reviews I think it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> and not to not to do any not to do Instagram reporting, but David Warner put a photo on his story with his passport. So I mean, he's probably just going to like mainland or Ireland or something. But it doesn't stop the uh, the internet machine from thinking he's been sent home. Oh, well, hopefully he's not the escape goat for what's happening. Did you say escape goat? <laughs> yeah. Did I know this story? He's got low self esteem. <laughs> David Warner's brother tweeted want... many years ago in defense of Davey Warner that he was just the escape yep. goat for, for Sandpapergate. He was the escape yeah. uh, I was yep. probably in year three at that point. It was four years ago. You were in year three in, 20, in 2019? What is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he repeated now. a few years. Did they not do... Maths down in Tassie. It's just not his strong suit. Um... <laughs> On, on that subject, though, on the openers, because obviously we've spoken about the potential for one of the uh, all-rounders pushing up. Is there any real difference between Green or Marsh going up? You'd probably think Green with his tempo is more opener-like, if that's a thing. But maybe the Aussies need a change. Maybe they just need Mitch Marsh to go out there and, you know, just put pressure immediately back on the likes of Stuart Broad. The other option I thought of was... And it's not going to happen because I think he's really settled now at five. But I wouldn't hate just Travis Head being That's sent good. up to do that yeah. thing. But I, I think would. if he wasn't in as good a form as he is... Maybe, yeah. but now that he's actually found his spot, I don't think that should happen or it will Yeah, happen. that's why I hate it. I think you, 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 you potentially weaken two positions by moving him out of a spot where he's doing well. I, I, I don't yeah. like Travis Head opening, if I'm honest. And I, he's not a great lever, if I'm honest. <laughs> he doesn't need to do it five. What about but... the actual openers they've got in the squad? Marcus Harris. Well, I do love that everyone's talking about oh, who sh- who should open, and no one's talking about the two spare openers that are in the squad. No one wants yeah. Harris or Renshaw to play. It's like oh, or Renshaw, I was, yeah. Hitch. Maxi, Marsh, Marsh. Yeah, he'll get Maxi to open, open bowling and. He batting. has opened the batting in a Test match. He did in the subcontinent. He has. Remember? He has. Yep. 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 Um, Is um Renshaw doesn't even open anymore. For Queensland, no, he bats at six for Queensland, but he's got a, he's, he's open for Australia in Test. He's got, and got, he's got the temperament for it. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's his home country, born in England, so I wouldn't say no to Renshaw. I would say no to Harris. Let's just put that out there. Sure. No, I wouldn't say no to Renshaw either. I just don't know if 
he's going to be any different. I mean, Warner's in such bad form, I don't really think it No, well, that's, the, that's the thing, right? Like, you're not getting... No. It's not going to be any worse. It can't get any worse. Well, it's not what's, like any what's Warner averaging? It can be that worse. That much worse. Warner's <laughs> averaging 23 in the series. Again, more than Ollie Pope. But we can't pick Pope, mate. He's a pom. When's that stop them? <laughs> not bad. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken about the bowling. I wanted to touch briefly on I th- if you think that there's any mental hurdles to bowling at Ben Stokes since that heading leanings four years ago, because it seems like for a bloke that averages 35 at test match level, we treat him with such a level of reverence that it, it's almost like we're, we're bowling against prime Sachin. There's definitely some post-traumatic stress syndrome from the, the, the match-saving 100 that he had, four, you know, was it four years ago? Um, yeah. They, they just, they start to lose their line and their length a little bit when he comes on a bat, but their bowling's not great before he comes in anyway, and I just think he's capitalising yeah. on it. But, you know, over, if you saw his wagon wheel, you would understand how badly we're, po- we're bowling to him because we're just bowling to his strengths. Um, but it was a little bit better in this test, but, but still, the, the bowling's just... I mean, the last test was short to the point of being silly in terms of all the bounces. This test was short, but just short, too short, not necessarily bowling bounces, but just kind of, you know, above waist height. So it's kind of... No yeah, it was ineffective. Yeah, ineffective. Yeah. I wonder if you think that there was any 10... Because like, I actually made the observation that we had overpitched a lot yeah. Yeah. in the second innings, especially to Harry Brook once he got going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he better quite well, to be honest. I mean, he's... Jeez, that... He got away with it because he scored 75 or whatever it was, but the shot he got out with was just as bad as the one he played at Lords, to be honest. He's, he's, oh, yeah. He throws his wicket away, which is pretty bad, but that's baseball. But who cares? But geez, he's got some talent, though. He's, um, he's fastest ever to 1,000 runs by balls faced. Is that right? 1,058 balls for 1,000 test runs. Wow. Mm. That's baseball, baby. That is baseball. <laughs> I mean, if Basball's getting, if Basball's giving away your wicket stupidly, then you know it's Steve Smith. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, yeah. Over the course of a Test match, there's so many moments that contribute to a team losing. But Steve Smith's shot was horrific, and you know he gets oh. a lot of leeway because he's played 100 Tests and he averages 60. So we're not going to crucify him for one bad shot. But that was appalling. All we needed was 50 from him, and we would have won, honestly. Um, in a canter, yeah, played Steve. an absolute shit shot to a shit bowler at a shit time of the game, <laughs> and it was it was, yeah, I'll, it I'll, was I'll, really appalling. But, but I'll bring it up with him at the next. I'll, I'll bring it up with him at the next Steve Smith meeting. <laughs> yeah, I just well, I thought it was a really bad shot in in the in the context of the game, and but you know it's 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 not fair on him. You know Warner got out to to. Who bloody brought again? Marnus's shot wasn't much better, so it's, you can't just blame Steve Smith. But geez, you, you just hope that your vice captain, your experienced player, one of the best batsmen in the history of the game, could just knuckle down and just get a, a solid forty or fifty, and it wouldn't that would have been enough in the in the end. But wasn't to be. So, Old Trafford is in what a week now at the time of recording this, eight days, yep. whenever. Yep. So. We've already kind of hypothesised from... I'm not going to talk about England because I don't really care about what changes they make. But from an Australian point of view, so we... Do we think Warner gets dropped or are we just kind of hoping at this point? Look, the language from McDonald would suggest he's going nowhere. Cummins left it a little bit more open. He, he said he will explore all avenues and so he was a little bit more... I mean, the headline in the article was ice cold answer. It wasn't that ice cold, to be honest. But but certainly, if you listen to McDonald, he's making every excuse under the sun for it for him. So I just can't see them dropping him, to be honest. Uh, I think they should. But yeah. I think it would, be, think it would be shocking to me if they did drop him, to be honest. Same. You, I, I think he gets one more chance. Well, do you think to that point, if he ha- <clears throat> if he hadn't, you know, made the announcement or the, that he wants to retire after Sydney, so if that kind of wasn't hanging over the team whether they, it's easier to drop him. I'd like to think no. Oh, I'd like no, to think that, that doesn't play a role. But, yeah. Here you go, Smithy. I'd, I'd be staggered if, if, if Cricket Australia made that call that far out that they could carry him regardless of his form through an English tour and an Australian, an entire Australian summer. Well, the Sydney test will be a day and a half anyway, so it's not, you know... <laughs> 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 yeah, but 
like I just I'd be staggered by that. Like in in years past, that's never been a thing. We we didn't we didn't even give Ian Healy a, a Gabba test farewell. And so, then you know the rest of the batting order is pretty settled. So assuming Warner stays, Marsh keeps his. You can't drop Marsh now. That'd look really bad optics wise. We also so, bowled really well as well. I was going to say I forgot to mention this. He actually yeah. was the only only bowler who actually got a little bit of movement out of the ball. Plenty of swing, and, and you know pitched it up and bowled quite well. Got a couple of crucial wickets as well at key times. So you, you can't drop him. He, he's undroppable yeah, after that. Got got Crawley didn't he? Second innings when Crawley was starting to motor along. Was it Crawley yep. that he got out? Yeah. Just classic Test match, you know. Dismissal, pitching it up. So Green what? doesn't get a look back in then. Oh, well, that's the thing, right? Like, do they stick with Murphy? Like, so Boland out for Hazelwood, fine. But yep. does Murphy get another gig? Like, surely they bring Green back in. Well, the 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 wording I saw from that same code thing that was talking about <clears throat> exploring options at opener is that if I was to to guess that they said they like having a spinner, whether that means they like having a frontline spinner, even though he only got minimal bowl in this test match, or whether they feel like they can cover with, you know, part-time from Marnus and Travis Head. But based on what I read, I, I think they want to keep Murphy in. Yeah, I, yeah okay. I think I think Murphy will definitely play. So it's just a case of, well, it's green of Warner. That's pretty much... I mean, they're not going to drop Marnus, they're not going to drop yeah. Lee, they're not going to drop Smithy, they're not going to drop Head. Um, so it, can't it, drop Marsh now. It can't, well, I don't think they yeah. can, but geez, as we go to where, I'm sure this is exactly what's going to happen once the podcast gets published. We've got time in the bank this time. I just don't yeah, think we do. Afford, yeah. I just don't think they can afford to do that. So it literally just becomes a green for Warner conversation. Um, so Nessa... Let him play for Glamorgan and then reassess. I think he'll yeah. probably come in for yeah, the fifth, fifth test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Because Stark, this will be Stark's third in a row, right? Yes. Or did, yeah. So that's a and well, Cummins is an odd one because he's the captain, but you know, looking at Stark anyway, got to manage his workload. And I thought. You know, Stark bowled well. They compared him to Mitchell Johnson, which I thought was a little bit offensive because he just bowled a couple of wide, wide full, to- uh, wide half volleys. Like classic Johnson, but I mean, you know, there's only room for one erratic left-handed Mitchell in my life. <laughs> I thought Stark bowled really well, to be honest. Yeah, he was the one bowler that pitched it up a little bit, got a bit of early swing, bowled with yep. a bit of venom. He, 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 he's become quite adept at knowing when to bowl that wider one to tempt the batsman after tightening, after coming them having them come into the right-hander for three or four balls, and then he just throws that one across them. And they chase it. Um, I thought he bowled really, really well, actually, and quite intelligently as well. I just—I'm not sure we need to worry too much about Stark's workload, given how short this test was. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Like no team made over 300 runs, so you know we're—I don't think we need to worry too much about him being over bowled over the three and a half days. All right. Question time. Unless you've got anything else to add. No, how the Detroit Pistons All right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, actually. So the first question... <laughs> Smithy, um, can it? So, well, uh, Sarah has given us a bunch of dot points and that we kind of already discussed them in here because it's basically our agenda. <laughs> Drop Warner. We've spoken about dropping Warner. Promote Minus up the order. I don't... You know, that's... No. No. Well, so these I are mean, all discussion points, not just what she pause, thinks we should let's do. Let's just pause on that for a moment. Marnus is basically opening at the moment anyway, with how quickly Warner gets <laughs> Yeah, look. It's, it's not the most... Yeah. Not... Yeah, these are just discussion points, not necessarily, you know, and look, her demands. Marnus isn't exactly setting the world on fire. No, I was going to say, he's had a pretty lean run. Yeah, he's got some starts. He's getting starts, on with though, it. at least, yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. I just, I think we expect more, that's all. He doesn't look as yeah, flawed. Like, well, actually, this guy... He doesn't look as fluent as he normally does. I don't know if he's struggling for confidence or, or something, but, you know, he's normally quite... He's very scratchy. Yeah, yeah, so scratchy, which is not like him. Although, he does offer a lot of chances, but, yeah, anyway. Yeah, he's not He's not losing confidence in the field with some of his review suggestions. <laughs> um, 
discussion point three, two all-rounders in Green and Marsh. We kind of already spoke about that. Yep. Uh, discussion point four, Bowl and Doubt Ness are in. Um, well, we know that's not going to happen now, most likely. But it, sh- it might, it, you know, it, it probably should have been given some consideration, I think. Well... I don't know when this first class game that Ness is playing starts. I was about to say, I don't know when Glenmore are going to play. And are they playing right now? Because if I that, can't that, say that, that I, four I day might with... be, if that, well, if I'll, that, I'll if that four up. day is wrapped up in the next kind of three or four days, then maybe is a chance. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say no. I, I'd starts... actually, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Uh, this is great radio. This is great podcasting. <laughs> yeah, listening to someone yeah. at the county cricket school. You'll never believe oh, this. You'll oh. never believe this. There's a rain delay <laughs> in England. Oh, I, I never. I know. So I'm guessing it's on. It's started, and it's yeah. So um, Mitchell Swepson's playing as well for hmm. Glamorgan. There you go. Why isn't he in the squad? Ah, oh, we'll be here all day. As so was Joe Root's brother. There you go. Anyway, back to the uh, the last <laughs> the tour of Welsh county cricket aside. The last discussion point. Uh, yeah, well, again, no specialist spinner and leave it to Head, Manus and Smith. I, when was the last time Smith bowled like properly? Not a while. Like he had that couple of overs in. Was it the test we drew last Ashes? Yeah. When he saved his rank full toss for the last ball. Yeah, we were trying to get the last too. wicket. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were trying to get the last wicket, and he, he we couldn't, uh, he, he couldn't, couldn't even get it on the pitch, barely. No. Um, question from Maddie: How did we let our hopes rest on Mitch Marsh's shoulders of all people? <laughs> I think we kind of have answered that with the, with the, with the, and again, that's probably giving Mitch Marsh a bit of discredit there, that's isn't it? Backhanded like, think, credit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we've kind of answered that, I guess, with yeah. what we've already talked about in terms of the batting and bowling uh, deficiencies and struggles. Just just on Marsh and, you know, Bazball is writing lots of articles and hoping one of them is good. But um, I, I, I wrote something else about Mitch Marsh specifically and how I think that last time he played for Australia, he was kind of still viewed as that hope of the, the great all-rounder that we were missing, that we yeah. were chasing since Flintoff. Um, well, since Flintoff you know, brutalised us. But when he batted last time and when he made those comments about Australia hates me and all that, and, you know, it's a tough watch looking back on it, it seemed like there was still that pressure. Whereas when he batted this time, like, he's not... He knows he's not the guy. It's the freest he's ever played. You've got Cam Green there, like... Because straight after that, Ashes, that that's when Green was starting to kind of burst onto the scene for WA. So the time yeah. was kind of numbered anyway. Yeah, I mean, what Mitch but, would have been, what, 27 yeah. last time that he played? So he, he probably would have thought... 29. Yeah. He's 29 yeah. now. Well, no, he's 29 now, right? No, he's thirty. He's 33 now. He's old. He's 33. Yeah. Well, you might want to get back on the internet and check that. <laughs> Good podcasting. He's um, 31. 31. He's 31. He's 30, yeah. 32 31. in a couple of months. Yeah, so he's 27 yeah. four years ago. So you still think you've got a fair lot of cricket about, uh, ahead of you, which brings pressure. He thought he'd never play yeah. cricket for Australia yeah. again. He said that in the press conference after he scored 100. And mm-hmm. I think knowing that you've got that second chance, and that there is a freedom that comes with it. There's, you know, Green's going to yeah, come yeah. back in next test if I don't score. So whatever, I've got one test or whatever. And yeah, that that's freedom, what I was making. Yeah. yeah, that freedom that he played with was, was probably part and parcel. Quasha's the same. Quasha said, I never expected to play for Australia again, and now every test is just a, okay, whatever. A bonus. And, yeah, it's yeah, all gravy. Yeah. So it's all, you can see the freedom with cheap bats as well. So it's just further proof of how mental cricket is as a game. Speaking of gravy and Kawaja, Paul Kelly, another Kawaja song. <laughs> is that it? Uh, is that your point? <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it, Claude. And the last question slash point uh, from Tonga Bob. The future of the test team is naming 11 all-rounders from Western Australia. Discuss. <laughs> not, not, necess- not necessarily against it. Are we, are, we, are we going back? Are we bringing back prime Tom Moody? Are we... Well, it's, it's, it's a real testament to where my mind is that the th- I read this and the first person I thought of was Theodoropoulos. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. What about Stoinis? Stoinis <laughs> is technically WA as well, isn't he? Yeah, he plays for them. Well, he did. He did. Well, Mitch, Mitch Johnson played WA. Is he a yeah. bowling all-rounder? He's a bowling all-rounder, for yeah, sure. He's a bowling all-rounder. Brad Hogg? 
No, I don't want Brad Hogg in my team. No, 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 no not after his comments. No, he's, no, he's no bad. George. No, yep. George. Yeah, go by George, you nerd. <laughs> uh, other than that, that brings us to the end of another very, I don't want to say successful, a drawn podcast. <laughs> no strong points were made either way. A rain-delayed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are the Leicestershire of the podcasting world. Is that even where that game's being played? Where, wherever like, Sophia Gardens is, that's where it's being rained out. No, it's in Wales. Anyway, what a great ending, like last time. Smith, anything to promote before you go? No? Good, good points, well made. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you have anything to promote before you go? Absolutely not. I'm... Oh? <laughs> oh, no, I'm just laughing that if, if Smith can't even be bothered paying attention to the podcast, how are the listeners going to be? No, I've got nothing to promote. I've done my two articles for the year. I've done them both this week, so I'm, I'm, I've got nothing to promote. But uh, you should get on to uh, Beyond the Fence, follow Quaggy and his little uh, I will say, Quaggy, your articles, yeah, your, your blog articles uh, this uh, this tour have been really, really good. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very pleased to say that th- th- these have been a delight to read, genuinely. Shit! Now what am I going? I can't. <laughs> What's the next? The next one's going to be absolute fizzer now. <laughs> no pressure, right? What was that thing about pressure? You know, just releasing and yeah, you know when your next blog's going to be Re- revealed. Like, what? So. Yeah, it, it'll be an expose revealed. What Moises Enriquez was actually listening to that day. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yes. Um, beyondthefence.com.au for any Ashes articles that inevitably pop up when I can think of something to write about, if the English wins again, or if, I don't know, if like someone else makes a game-saving 100 that I wasn't expecting. Mate, if Mitchell Stark makes 100, bloody hell, there's an article. <laughs> but other than that, follow the podcast, subscribe if you haven't, leave a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Cheers, lads. <laughs>